film and television, merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house, or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, the inaugural Between the Bannisters podcast, which I'm really, really excited because I have an amazing guest today. I have Delay Adams. Hello, Delay. How are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> so, uh, UK born, Caribbean bred, correct? Yep. So, horror and fantasy aficionado, just trying to get another meeting and won't pester you to read his screenplay. <laughs> Delay simply wants to tell stories bigger than the 108 square miles that he lives on. Um, so tell me a little bit about St. Kitts before we get into the movie that you've chosen for the podcast today. Okay, well, uh, St. Kitts is actually a part of a twin island federation um, in the Eastern Caribbean, St. Kitts and Nevis. A lot of um, folks call it Nevis, but the pronunciation is Nevis. So, you know, that's a bit of a sticking point. But we're in the sunny um, side of the Caribbean. Um, we're really, really tiny. Have you ever looked at the map of the Caribbean and, you know, try to flick off what you thought was a uh, flight ship? That's us. <laughs> a speck That's of dust. So, yeah, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's a lovely place. I love. So what are we talking about today? What is the most influential, I guess, movie to the way you operate or how deeply it affected you. What are we looking at today? Alien. Alien. I Starting believe 1979 by Ridley Scott, if memory serves. Yes, Ridley Scott, written by Dan O'Bannon, based on a story of his and um, Ronald Schusset, I believe. Um, yeah. Alien, scare the pants off me. <laughs> Put them back, right. back off again. <laughs> but what was it about Alien? What did you love about Alien? Um, I think because, you know, I mean, again, I was, what, all of eight when I saw it first. Um, what stuck with me was a sense of dread, because we didn't get to see the alien until at least, I think it was like two-thirds of the way through the movie, halfway through, two-thirds of the way, before we mm. saw anything. It was just that creeping sense of dread. It was just building and building and building, and then, you know, you had John Hurt getting his chest caved in at that lovely dinner scene. <laughs> and, um, which was which was unrehearsed. I I thought they were told yeah. the whole time that something was going to happen, but they weren't quite sure what. And they, they knew the cast yeah. years. They, they they knew that something was going to happen, and um, I forget the actress's name. She wasn't told anything at all. So her oh, oh god was completely <laughs> in the moment, and you know that 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 was that always stuck with me. And I thought, hmm, if I ever direct, I, maybe I want to do that. But yeah. But, but yeah, it, it, it always stuck with me because it was this horrifying sense of dread. You saw yeah. this little thing burst out of a man's chest and then it ran away. You don't know where it went. And I think it was on, on there for like a week before it became full grown and it just started taking members of the um, crew out. Yeah. 
and that's so that's so funny. Uh, Veronica Cartwright. Ah, uh, yes. And she fainted. Yeah, <laughs> like legitimately fainted. Like I would have fainted dead away too. Like yep. if you don't tell me that particular thing is coming, I'm gonna be terrified. I mean, that was the whole gag, right? Is to have them terrified. And it was just it was just ahead of its time because up until that point, I hadn't you know. Again, I was eight. I didn't really have too much of a concept of what a movie could and couldn't uh, could could be, but seeing a SpaceX, you know, cosmic horror and something legitimately horrifying, you had no idea where it was hiding. It was in the airways. It was in the ducts, and it was you know, it was hunting them for shits and giggles. Really, <laughs> can, can I say that? <laughs> you can. Uh, yes. <laughs> It's my podcast, of course you can. <laughs> okay, yeah, he was he was hunting him for shits and giggles, and he was loving it. And and the concept of a secondary jaw, there was there was a lot about the creature itself that didn't make sense, but made sense, especially to you know a, a young kid who was fascinated with these sort of um, creature features. You know, my first love is always has always been werewolves, but then seeing something like this that was so tall and so terrifying with this tail that you know, could shoot out of nowhere and you could use it like a deadly weapon. It was fascinating to me. And, you know, my mother, God rest her soul, never saw the creature. She never saw it. She always hid her face when the creature came onto the screen or, you know, she got an inkling that the creature was coming In onto suspense. the screen. Yep. Like, to, you know, she, she went through all of the alien films and never once saw the creature. She only saw stills. And was like, nope, I don't want to see that movie. Nope, not interested. I love, well, I'm a man in suit monster fanatic, so I absolutely love that, because there was, what was cool about it is that they had given homage, and I think it was like 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary or something to Balaji Badeo, who was the Nigerian actor who was in the suit mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. alien, which was so cool to see it just broken down into like wearing like four pieces and yeah. trying to maneuver in that and still seem wet and scary and stealthy what is it about was it the monster that shaped kind of how you navigate now or, or how that was penetrable to you or was it the the sense of dread of the crew it was this, it, it was a combination really it was the sense of dread of the crew and how they didn't know what they were dealing with it was very much a tale of explorers have well they weren't explorers they were just you know regular tr space truckers really Mm -hmm. They had no idea what they've just gotten themselves into. And, you know, they have a laugh and whatnot. They think, oh, it's, it's not going to be anything. And then it was a, it sort of broke their minds, the concept that there's other life out there. And it was terrifying. And as I got older, rewatches of it were still just as frightening. Because, you know, there were some movies that you look at um, at a, as a child and they stick in your brain and they latch onto that sort of primal childlike fear. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the story, it, it, for lack of a better term, you know, the idea of the egg and the uh, face hugger and then implanting something by force, I realized what it was about it was really Scott was terrible, rather down, Bannon was terrified of womanhood. And yeah, the idea wow. that something was sort of forced on, um, there were some. Yeah, dare I say rapey undertones, mm -hmm. but the idea that a creature would force itself on you and force a life form on you that you had 
you know, had no business um, gestating and then it just forcing its way out of you. With my adult brain now, I realized that that was, uh, it was I mean, I could be completely off base here, but no, I don't think you are. <laughs> it just seemed like it was metaphorical um, for um, assault and, you know, having to carry that burden. And then, you know, it just sort of escaping and yeah. utterly wrecking shop on the way out. And <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it is, it is horrifying, but it forced me to think about horror in a new way. And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I was a teenager, teenager at this point. I was like, oh, okay, that's really scary. And I, I, I began to understood that, um, understand that horror at its best, the best kinds of horror are the metaphorical ones, the ones that explain or sort of at least try to ask questions about our existence, um, the things that terrify us, and they're almost always primal fears. Yeah. Those base, deep-rooted, you know, base brain, limbic system kind of fears, the stuff that roots you to the spot, terrifies you, you can't move, you know, it, it, it's easy to say, oh, well, if, if it was me, I would have done, I would have done this and whatnot. Like, you, you ain't doing shit. <laughs> no, we fucking wouldn't. <laughs> you're, you're not doing shit. You see somebody, you know, getting their guts torn out by um, this, essentially a, a baby creature tearing its way mm -hmm. out of, out of um, your friend's chest, you're going to be rooted to the spot because that's how we are as humans. We'd like to think that we would act, but mm -mm. oh, absolutely not. And I think that you are not far off at all about the womanhood aspect of it, because when we sit there and we think about how this story, which is an impeccable story, like there's there's nothing like that, and there's so much. And I think for for humans in general, like space has always been like one of our great mysteries, and it will continue to be. And there's never going to be enough aliens and enough ways to to figure out how we can scare ourselves in a extraterrestrial kind of way but i think that with the you know the implantation forced implantation is really a strong allegory for the burden of womanhood too because it's so much is forced upon women not only to carry on the race but also to how do we control women how do we mm -hmm. control this mother and you have aliens which is kind of like mom against mom yeah at the end of it and then we're there to like protect our baby so it's almost like the story keeps going and like you said we could be completely like amazed with stuff but i i don't think so how do you how do you explain that away oh it's just an alien that just happens to naturally implant itself which is kind of like alien lore right we're mm -hmm. probed we get x y and z mm -hmm. But with this, I think that it's, I don't think that you're, you're very far off of that point at all. But what about that piece other than like the dread? What do you do now? Like what actions do you take now because of that movie? Because I always ask that because there's, you know, there's the, the movies that have us, you know, not driving on a certain street or making yeah. sure we turn on all the lights on when we come into a dark house because this movie did X, Y, and Z. What did aliens shape into you or what behaviors have you adopted now because of that film? I think um, at its most basic level, it, 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 it forced me to think about from a very early age about the notion of consent. I didn't even know what the, what the concept was but I knew what it was, if that makes sense. 
Um, it forced me to think about, you know, like having my body autonomy, my bodily autonomy taken away from me in such a violent manner. Um, it, it forced me to think about that. I also, you know, I still am hedgy about turning off lights in one part of the house that are <laughs> far away from um, the escape route. Mm-hmm. And, you know, creaky noises in, in um, industrialized places sort of freak me out a little bit still, you know, long tunnel ways. Um, I, I used to work at a hotel and we had um, a number of pathways that were behind um, front of house. And it was, you know, these long, oh. creaky hallways. <laughs> and, you know, in, it was night shift. So Exposed you're hearing pipe. creaks in the <laughs> pipes and whatnot. You're thinking, you know what? I'm not going to go there. There could be a xenomorph in there. It's a totally unrealistic <laughs> fear and you know it'll never happen but it doesn't stop the um it limbic system from sort of like priming and priming the pump and saying okay are we gonna fight or flight nope we're gonna flight you know what's crazy about that incredibly practical to be like yep there's a xenomorph in there okay. yes. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna argue with you let me like get the fuck out of there dude fine <laughs> run <laughs> any type of this like i have an old house my house was built in like the the early 1900s so i mean we have obviously like new plumbing and new heating and x y and z but my house hisses it just does that like it's just <laughs> See, like when like, we first turned the heat on i'm like no bitch the first year i was in this house i was like the fuck is that because it sounded like that hiss from alien and i did not like it and i've grown to understand that that is the old bones of my house and that is what happens but no like i know exactly what that sounds like and i know that i do not like it at all even a little bit it's primal <laughs> you like hot putting it down the hallway too <laughs> yep yep even when you're with a group of friends you, you my automatic thought is you know i don't have to be the fastest i just got to be faster than my slowest friend it's 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 primal. <laughs> oh, blood! Is, it is tribal, man. It's survival of the fittest. Like if you can't, and that's why I'm saying, like these zombies, these new zombies. If they're Romero zombies, I'm fine. Oh, like yeah. I will trot my happy ass to the furthest corner of the earth. But well, now they're like days later, zombies. Yeah, retcon like to like the Flash. And I, no, I'm just going to lay down and die because I know that I'm just not capable of outrunning the zombie. I'm just going to lay down. Just lay down and eat me. It's fine. I've lived a good life. Michael Bean, game over, man. Game no, over. I'm done. I, am, I will definitely be your slowest friend. And you will definitely have to leave me there. We've had a good run. We've been really good friends. And you know what? You can do what you got to do. Save your ass. But no, I feel that though. And I feel like just, and that's what's so funny about it is that these, especially like sci-fi horror, because there's so many parts of sci-fi horror that are completely, as far as we know as humans and what we've discovered so far, that are completely implausible things, Mm -hmm. as far as we know. And then there's things that are so close to home and orbit us really easily um, that are really, really terrifying. But what's so funny about that is in that culture, like, you know, this dark hallway looks a lot like that dark hallway with exposed pipes, and there could be a xenomorph in there. And yep. you could tell that story to anybody and be like, yep, exactly. Like, yep. I, that's what's up. Like, <laughs> anyone would believe you and completely support you. Nobody's going to be like, what's a xenomorph? Like, and if they do, like, 
fuck off. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like 20 years too late. I think, I think what was um, also terrifying about the Xenomorph was its humanoid shape. There's, there's something, again, this is primal. And, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not a degreed um, person with, with, with any sort of thesis beyond this, but it's, this is just observation. But I find that the most terrifying creatures, the ones that we are legitimately scared of, have human aspects, humanoid aspects. We're mm -hmm. talking, you know, four limbs, um, a recognizable head, and some form of uh, uh, torso. And the xenomorph has that in spades. It's just right. got this sort of, what do you call it, uh, carapace and, and, and skeletal oh, bony yeah. structures and skin mm -hmm. and whatnot. And, you know, a head shaped like a massive penis, but, you know, that's not the xenomorph there. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just <laughs> Geiger's um, particular that's sensibilities creaking in it. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that just goes to the whole um, sexual assault element of... Yeah. The fear, that the, the base fear, mm -hmm. you're getting attacked by a massive penis with the secondary jaw inside and an egg that will, that will spring a, a, a creature on your face or something. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. yeah. And the, bi the bipedal nature of it too is also really fucking frightening. Yeah. Like it's walking around on two legs, just like you and me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was frightening because you could easily see somebody being that way and that, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Primal fear is always the best fear to exploit as far as writing goes. But yeah. 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 I I love that. And I love I love the creature and I love like what they've done to it as as the series unfolded and especially the we see the queen in in aliens, um, with a giant like crown piece on it, which is fucking terrifying. <laughs> which is terrifying. Um, because we can it's it's not that it's an advancement it's just another thing but like we think we've in alien you fight like the mini boss right mm -hmm. <laughs> like in a game and then you just your bosses just get bigger and bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. there's just more bosses it's so yes. it's so ingrained in our in our culture that you would say you would say that but what is is there any part of the movie or anything that happened in the movie that you wish didn't happen or do you feel like not necessarily bad writing or bad action, but is there something that you feel could have been either more of what you wanted or less of what scares you? <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, I don't. I don't think so. I think the film is damn near perfect. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's it's a slow burn. You have um, the betrayal element to the android. You know, if, if, if I were to change one thing, I probably would have had um, uh, Ian Holmes' character, the, the android, be human. Mm. I, I probably think that would be the one thing. But I mean, you know, because it, it's very easy to say that this construct is following its programming and therefore I can't necessarily align it as evil. The corporation mm. is evil as hell. Wayland Yutani, they're evil as hell. They're yeah. just looking for profit. And, you know, the next big weapon, look, um, he was an android merely following his programming, which didn't make it, it, it didn't really give him motive. If, yeah. if, if I were to rewrite that, I, I would have rewritten him as a human. But then, you know, they did that in Aliens with um, Paul Reiser's character, you know, mm -hmm. this sort of slimy antagonist who was a real piece of work. He just wanted to punch it every time you saw it, you wanted to punch it. 
Yeah. Even in Mad um, About You, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no disrespect. We're, 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 we're dating I, ourselves here. We're dating ourselves a little bit because, you know, like, my first recollection of Paul Reiser was in My Two Dads. My Two Dads! <laughs> yes! Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that's probably, like, the one aspect. But it's it's a minor, minor nitpick, honestly, mm-hmm. because the story, the characters... I mean, who better than a group of space truckers? You know, they weren't adventurers, they weren't explorers, they were just ordinary folk. And mm-hmm. I think large parts of the audience were able to identify with that sort of, you know, blue-collar worker. They're just just trying to make a living, you know, we've got to go into hypersleep, you know, not this crap again. And now yeah. you're throwing in an alien into it. And the, you know, it's a toxic work environment under the best of conditions. And now <laughs> you're throwing in degree. <laughs> an alien that's just going around, just, you know, gnawing off bits of your head for shits and giggles gnawing <laughs> off bits of your head what is your favorite part of the movie um uh easily the dinner scene easily the dinner See? scene yeah because you knew that the, the shoe was dropping you just didn't know when yeah such a high tension point yeah it's it's, it's like what um alfred hitchcock uh, had said, you know, he said, you know, you can give the audience a certain amount of information, but mm-hmm. no more, and then milk the tension from there. You can tell them that, you know, you can tell the audience that there's 10 minutes before a bomb mm-hmm. goes off. You don't just explode the bomb. You tell the audience that there's a bomb under the table, and in 10 minutes it's going to go off. And the tension in the room from the players or whatnot, that is where the magic happens. Don't tell them what you've hinted at it. Right. You know, you've got this thing, it came off, it, you know, and they, they, they think the danger's over, but you know in the back of your mind that something else has to go down. And then John Hurt starts getting tummy aches. Yep. Boom, <laughs> magic. <Yeah. laughs> Super tummy aches. And which, first of all, uh, to an incredible career for, for John Hurt, first of all, because he's an amazing, was an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, like you have, like we, like we had talked about, we're two thirds, almost two thirds of the way through this movie, mm-hmm. and we're having this moment, having that sense of dread that you kind of carried all the way from the beginning, putting them up against this horrible thing. What about that dinner scene? Where were you in the beginning of the movie, and after that dinner scene, where were you at? Well, at the beginning of that scene, I was on edge. <laughs> very much on edge because you know like i said before you know something is going to happen you just don't know when and that was where the tarot lived and it was sitting in the pit of my stomach and after well the first time i saw it i ran up i ran back into my bedroom because what my brother and i had sort of snuck (laughs) down the stairs halfway to look through the slats um, (laughs) between the banisters yeah yeah right between the banisters and we were watching it and that was the moment when my mother knew that we were out of bed, not supposed to be out of bed, but this was like midnight when this when this came on and she was unwinding, watching this movie um, with my dad. My dad, you know, typical West Indian man, he wasn't bothered by <laughs> anything <laughs> because he was very um, based in reality. That moment happened, he burst out and my brother screamed. I screamed because he screamed. We ran up the stairs. And my mother called us back downstairs and she said she thought she thought she was punishing us, but she really just lit a fire. And she said, Come, you're gonna watch this with me. It was a school night. So, you know, we had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> we had nightmares. Um, but at the end of it, outside of terror, 
heart in your chest, jackhammering in, in your mouth. And it was, what's going to happen next? We legitimately didn't know what was going to happen next. It's, oh, this thing is going to kill everybody. We thought it was going to be a bloodbath, but it wasn't. And I think that was more terrifying because it was picking them off one by one. It was just having fun with it. And yeah. that was the notion of an intelligent hunter, an intelligent predator is far more scary than an indiscriminate creature just going ham. That yeah. terrified us. You didn't know where it was going to come from. You yeah. didn't know what it was going to do. And it creates that breed, the, like. the breeds that kind of atmosphere of like mistrust between teammates too, which mm -hmm. is also an addition to, you know, if you think about like the thing too, which is another mm -hmm. sci-fi horror is, you get that distrust also that extra layer and it's like literally we're all playing the same team guys <laughs> you want to you want everyone to, to gather that but i think that picking them off like like you said that that intelligent predator that just is who is going to get it yeah. and why are we getting the, the why is never answered no. in first alien at all which is really fucking scary like why is it why because you you know we want that summed up as humans we want to know why somebody does something we want people's mm -hmm. behavior explained but this is not a person this is an alien life form and it doesn't have to tell us why i feel like we don't really find that out until probably like aliens three uh, yeah. um some sort of why but with that if you had to in probably like two minutes or less explain this movie to somebody could you do it Oh, um, female crew member is dismissed by her um, other, um, well, particularly her male crew members. She has an inherent distrust of the system that she's working for. And a creature starts picking them off one by one, and she's the only one that has her wits about her. Pretty much. <laughs> I love it. I love it because at the end of the day, it definitely makes a hero out of. It's like the last man standing is there's a reason for the last man standing. Mm -hmm. And I think that from from what I understand, O'Bannon, it was it was a male character in the original uh, story, and yeah, Ridley yeah. was like, yeah, no, yeah, Ridley, yeah. <laughs> Ridley, Ridley was insistent. You know, yes. I, I have a lot of issues with Ridley, but on that one, I will I will defend him on that point. Uh, yeah. Making Ripley a woman makes a hell of a lot more sense, particularly with the context of what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just made sense, and of course, she absolutely killed it. Oh, for she fuck's yeah! <laughs> I cannot admit. I mean, she's synonymous with. If you just mention Alien, like nobody's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, like I totally like dig Winona Ryder's role and like Alien." But like nobody's gonna say yeah, nobody, yeah. no disrespect to Winona Ryder, but like. Everyone knows that is who, the, and everyone, you know, I've seen people are already, like, dressing up with her in, like, the, 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 the loader costume, and it's, it's amazing that we've been able to put a, a female character at the center of something that is so, we don't have a why. We have this, this allegory for literally female body invasion, and it's, it was just a really smart way to go, and I can understand why this affected you the way it did. oh yeah <laughs> that's amazing so no, that's that's awesome i'm so excited that we started off with this one because there's so there's so much to dig through it is there anything else that you want to say about it or that you feel people should know about it this is going to be some people's first films 
Mm. Um, my, we just started my son on, we just watched Lost Boys last night. So, oh, nice. So, we're starting out slow. And I was like, is there boobies? That's like the. <laughs> I think, I think for me, <laughs> Alien um, represents a massive shift in the view of the general audience of how um, sci-fi was viewed and sci-fi horror in particular, because it wasn't really, I mean, they'd, they'd experimented with, it was stuff that was terrible, really just nonsense. But this inserted um, true cosmic horror because you know, the tagline reads in, in space and no one can hear you scream. And it's mm -hmm. that terror of isolation that space is the ultimate isolation point. They tell you um, when you're writing horror, isolate your characters because that's the easiest way to, well, focus on them. And, you know, all of those decisions become character-based decisions. Um, it influenced my writing because mm -hmm. every creature, um, in my opinion, should have a reason for being, even if it's never explained. Um, you know, like Freddy is bent on revenge, even though he, you know, he's basically doubling down mm -hmm. because he was a, a child murderer. And, you know, you have Jason who is chopping up people because he drowned. Mm -hmm. You know, your basic revenge. Alien is what if the bees on this planet turned against us? <laughs> <laughs> murder hornets uh, yeah mur murder hornets yeah that's murder hornets <laughs> taken to it's 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 logical ultimate conclusion yeah but it influenced my writing because my creatures have to have they, they have to represent a legitimate fear and the fear should be as um base as possible because that's where fear lives mm -hmm. it lives in those moments when you turn off the light and your rationality sort of goes out the window for a split second. Mm -hmm. If you're able to write something that inserts itself into that little moment, then you've got your hook. 100%. Werewolves are, are easy. I mean, Ginger Snaps did that one best. It was yeah. about fear oh, of for change. Sure. And that one was, in particular, puberty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just right there. But, um, you know, vampires, fear of death. It's 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 those basic fears, and Alien exploited that basic fear in a way that no other movie I don't think has ever really um, explored them properly. I mean, Babadook was another great one, and you know that's grief and yeah. and depression and, and how that works. Oh, that one cut me deep. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean those are the ones that stick with you. Yeah, those are the ones that will stick with you. So that's what I tried to write. Hopefully, I'm able to come up with a creature or, you know, design something, uh, write something that exploits those fears. I've read a few of Dele's creatures. They're fucking terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you're, on, you're on the right track. <laughs> try, try. If you had to do a, a through line of the franchise, what would you say? Did you say, do you think that they got it right? Do you think it was a good end game for what we started off with, with Alien? How do you how do you view that? Um, Alien Aliens up the game and then some Alien Three kind of I mean that was Fincher right? Mm. Um, knowing the, the the production problems behind the scenes, I understand why it sort of went the way it, it did, but I can forgive it those ones there. And then you know you had Joss Whedon doing Alien um, Resurrection, which was just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm resurrecting, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was kind. Of, it was kind of whack. It, but the through line, um, I think, of the franchise has always been focused on Ripley, and it's always been to me. It's always been woman went through hell, tells other people about it. They don't believe her. Shit goes sideways, and she is the one that has, or at least feels obligated to. Mm-hmm. Pull the pull their fat out of the fire. She doesn't have yeah. to. She can easily nope. jump ship. Yep. And there are many times where I think you know she should have just you know bucked and said, "You boys are right. on your own. Go fuck yourself in the face. You Good know. luck." <laughs> so or believe women. Hashtag. That's 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 the through line. Women know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't question it. Just leave. Right, leave us alone. Just let us lead. Um, and that's one of the pieces that really kind of got me really pent up about the beginning of aliens is that how incredibly dismissive everyone seemed to be and they're just like there's no way this could have happened to you like what happened to your team no we don't believe that story like something else should have happened to and it was and and their their whole excuse was that she oh you slept through all the good parts we've been doing so much good work yeah since you've been asleep like it was almost this proverbial pat on the head, and it was like, like it even started off alien being like stabby and angry. Um, mm. But I think that's wonderful. I'm so glad we got to talk about this today. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely love it. Between the Banisters podcast is really just about you know stories and films that have kind of shaped the way we we go through. And I think that you did an amazing job for our inaugural one, just like. <laughs> I'm still picturing you running down the hallway of being like, nope, <laughs> I will not go down here. There's a xenomorph. Um, but just the way you've navigated that so far and then and how that's translated into your writing, I think that's absolutely amazing. And um, I'm pretty cool. I'm so psyched. I'm so psyched that you were oh, my yeah. first guest. So psyched. Oh, wait. Mid Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, folks. Again, the Delay Adams. Is there anything... Uh, any scripts, any work that we should be looking forward to seeing from you or anything that you're looking to get read, anything we can do for you on the podcast? I am, um, I would love to have a Nancy read and the story of a Nancy keeps developing and then some and uh, so there's some extra twists and, <laughs> extra twists and turns. And then of course my first comedy pilot, uh, Message to the Front. Um, Many of the tales are based in my years uh, working at that night order to the hotel um, on the island. So, you know, shenanigans ensue. The shenaniganery of it all. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Both of those projects I have personally read, I think they're both amazing and they both definitely flex both sides of where you're at with, you know, really staying true to you. It's funny because you're like, I want to tell stories that are larger than the island that I live on and the island lives through you so much through your work but it's just it's the way it flows through you and the way it flows through the stories which is really really magical and you will not find that anywhere else and you're gonna hear folks so thank you for being with me today delay I really really appreciate it um um, I'm psyched so thank you everyone for joining us today we will see you next week Alrighty.